Thanks so much for joining us for the New Life Rabina podcast. New Life Church is one family, many churches, and we exist to simply see more people more like Jesus by planting and leading thriving local churches. You've joined us in a series we've titled Paradox, A Different Way to Live. In this series, we will uncover the profound truths hidden within these seemingly contradictory statements as we embrace the challenge to follow Jesus' footsteps and be a catalyst for change in our world. We pray that this message is a blessing. Excellent. Well, how are we this morning, church? Surprisingly positive. Excellent. Good, isn't it? Good to be in the house of the Lord. For those of you who are joining us online, welcome as well. As Fiona was sharing about teaching English uh, on a missions trip, I was reminded, uh, some might even say humbled, about a time when I took a bunch of uh, teenagers over, me and a couple of other leaders. It wasn't just me as a random person taking teenagers over. But we went over to Thailand on a missions trip and they were like, hey, let's get you to teach English in the classes. And so uh, I I like I was trying to teach them colours to the grade 12s and they're like, yeah, they're a bit above this, Jason. Like they're a bit above colours. They should know colours by now. And I was like, cool. They're like, teach us sentences. And I was like, ooh, <laughs> I'm out of my depth here. So I had a crack and I kid you not, as I'm writing things on the board, this lovely Thai teacher's rubbing out all of my spelling mistakes as I'm going along. And it was, and I, it was one of the biggest train wrecks of my life, being there and just watching. <laughs> Anyways, so I thought of that and I thought, hey, you don't need to be qualified to go on a mission trip. That's a little plug for you. But yeah, just a nice little humbling thing that God did for me this morning, right before I preached, reminded me how terrible I am at the basic English language. So that being said, what we will do is we will pray, A, for my focus, um, and then B, that uh, yeah, we can just open God's Word this morning that God would reveal something to us. So let's pray. I said, Lord, we, uh, we thank You. As I said, we thank You that we get to gather here this morning with brothers and sisters, uh, whether it's in the room or it's online. And Lord, I just want to pray for the next moment as we just open up your word together, Lord, and explore a text that some of us might be familiar with, Lord. I just pray that we can see it with fresh eyes, with a fresh heart, Lord. Um, And may we go feeling convicted and empowered, Lord, not because of me, Lord, but because of the text um, and what it's revealed to us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So as you know, we are continuing on our Paradox series. And this is a series where we look at the ways in which Jesus completely flips the social norm of His time and also the time in which we live in. It's a series how we come to understand that God's kingdom is upside down to that of the kingdom that we live in here. It's a good series to be a part of. And so what I wanted to do was I, uh, I wanted to jump into some Scripture this morning. And so I thought what I'll do is I'll just preface it with this, is I don't want to bore you by reading too much Scripture. It's going to be a lot for us to palette, but when we get out the other side, we'll be okay, all right? So we're bracing ourselves. We're ready to rock and roll. Okay, Matthew 20, verse 16. That's where we'll start and finish. Those who are last will now be first, and those who are first will be last. Beefy bit of scripture, isn't it? Wow, a lot there. 
But as we read that, I want to ask you, what comes to your mind when you first think of that? If you are maybe a little more seasoned in the room, you may have a memory, an Olympic memory of the 1992 Olympics where a guy named Derek Redman, not Dennis Rodman, as I've been saying all week, Derek Redman, who was a a British sprinter for the 400 metres in the semi-finals as he was, uh, he took off and he was tipped to be uh, the winner or one of the favourites of the 400 metre event to win the gold. And as he took off in the semi-finals, um, he got about halfway, pulled his hamstring, stops. And it's this heartbreaking moment where you see just everyone else just run away from him and you see his Olympic dreams slip away and determined to continue soldiering on, he kind of limps with his hamstring. And then there's this beautiful moment where his dad comes and embraces him and then they cross the finish line together and 65,000 people are cheering inside this arena for the guy who got disqualified. Think about that. Do we think that that's kind of what Jesus is trying to communicate when he says the first will be last and the last will be first? Is Jesus saying to us, hey, when you go for your Olympic gold medal, finish last because no one will remember who won the gold that year. But forever and a day, every four years, they're going to play that as a motivational clip when that chariots of fire, dun, 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 dun. And you're like, oh, I love this bit. Yeah, you know, like, is that is that kind of where Jesus is sitting when he says this? Is he just kind of simplifying this are to a bit of a a running race analogy. I think there might be a little more depth to it. But you see, when I look at that text, the first shall be last and the last shall be first, if I'm being honest, I look at that scripture as an opportunity to leverage to get what I want. I'm just being honest. And I remember in a high school, I would go on these Christian camps, Christian camps. Anytime you're at a Christian camp, you go, great, I can leverage the guilt of Christians. Hoorah. So we'd go on these camps and at dinner time, you know how they'd be like, okay, you know, like they'll go around and pick a table out. If your table was like, hey, can we please go first? We're so hungry. To teach you a lesson in humility, they'll make you go last for mains and for dessert. How rude. But if you're a smart cookie and you think about this verse, the first shall be last and the last shall be first. So if I make just enough of a scene to make people know that I'm kind of doing a nice gesture of letting everyone else go last while not being too overtly obvious because then they'll catch on to it. But, you know, you just do that, hey, it's all right. No, no, we'll, we'll, no, no, we'll, we'll go last. It's okay. And then the, the person will come over and tap you on the table and say, hey, that's really, really good. Good on you. Why don't you guys get to go up first? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Don't laugh. You've all thought about it or done it. <laughs> But you see, if I'm being honest, that, that's just a chance for me to, to leverage Scripture to get what I want. And if we look through a lens um, of leverage and benefit with Scripture, then we completely miss the essence of what Jesus is trying to say to us. And so before Jesus made that, that statement, the first shall be last and the last shall be first, we would have all heard it throughout our life in some point. But before Jesus said that, He actually... He taught his disciples and those who were listening at the time, he taught them a core lesson before he got to that bit. And so what I want to do is I um, I want to paraphrase Matthew 20, uh, verses 1 uh, to 16. We call this the JLT, the Jason Living Translation. It's just a little bit more... We'll flow with it a little bit more. Um, but but what, what Jesus is saying is he's telling this parable. 
Now, if you don't know what a parable is, it's really simple. Jesus tells parables or stories to help prove a point. And so Jesus is telling this story about a farmer and this farmer is looking for workers. And so this farmer finds someone at the crack of dawn and says, hey, if you come work for me for the day, I'll give you 50 bucks. And the guy's like, right on, I'll do that, cheap labour. And so then someone at um, morning tea comes along. He says, we still got more work to do. So he says to someone else, hey, if you come along and work the rest of the day, I'll give you 50 bucks. Spot on. Another guy at lunchtime, hey, if you work for the rest of the day, I'll give you 50 bucks. Hey, if you come and work from afternoon tea until the end of the day, I'll give you 50 bucks. Spot on. Someone comes in the last hour, hey, if you just work for the next hour, I'll give you 50 bucks. And, and then Jesus goes on to explain that the workers, at the end of the day when they claim, came to collect their money and what they thought they rightfully earned, and they're like, well, hang on, why is everyone getting the same amount? Why is the person who worked a little bit getting the same amount as me? And then Jesus says these words. He says, Am I not allowed to do what I choose with what belongs to me? Or do you begrudge my generosity? So the first will be last and the last will be first. See, all of a sudden we begin to understand that Jesus isn't talking about a running race or how to leverage your way in to get food at a camp first. But actually what he's speaking about here is salvation. He's saying that I'm the farmer, I'm the one, that people that I'm adding to the number, the workers, and don't you worry about what's to come. You just focus and you just be present. You don't need to worry about the other people around you. You just keep doing what you feel called to do. You see, there's this hard, um, hard world that we live in that, that, where comparison and discontentment, we read a verse like that and we sort of compare and we look and it's like it wells something up inside of us. And there's just this longing for more or for this or for that or, you know, we just feel like, oh, no, I, I should, I should, I should. And last week we started Alpha and I'm leading this group with Helen, one of our section leaders, and, and we were sitting in this group and there's this, you know those moments of when you're like, I don't think this person's realised how profound what they said was? It was one of those moments. This person was just sharing, they were talking a little bit about their life. It's week one of Alpha. So they're all nervous, their arms are all crossed, their heads are down, they're going, who is this loony with a moustache? Like, when's he going to hit us with the Bible? And so we're sitting there and this person just so beautifully goes, I am so sick of living a life of comparison and being discontent. All I have tried to do is be and do and do and do and do. And they said, I'm so sick of being a human do. I just want to be a human being. And I want to know who my creator is. And I'm like, whoa, is Alpha right for you? But it was just beautiful. It was so profound. So even from the outside world, like whether we call ourselves Christians or not, there is this thing in us that wells up. where It's designed for us. Sin designs us to be discontent. And for us to compare. And so it just feeds this spirit of like negativity in us. And so there's an invitation. When we come to a text like this, there's an invitation for reflection here. You see, Jesus isn't using this parable as a way of showing us how the earth works. He's actually saying, no, no, this is how God works. You want to know what God's kingdom's like? Let's flip it on its head. The first shall be last and the last shall be first. So those of you who think you're worthy you got a few lessons to learn. It's beautiful. You see, God's understanding of rewards and labours is, and labour is very, very different to ours. 
So what I want to do is I just want to pull back a couple of layers. And this week, as I was reading through different commentaries and and just sort of sitting on this text, I found it quite interesting. Like sometimes as you you read through a text, you'll find, oh, someone says this or someone says this. Or, you know, there's like not contradicting. Sometimes it is contradicting, but a broad stroke of thoughts and ideas. This, it was pretty obvious. I was like, cool. It seems like everyone's agreeing in what Jesus is saying. It's not about a running race. So point number one, God challenges the normal understanding of status and reward. God challenges the normal understanding of status and reward. A few years ago, I had a parent uh, Facebook message me. They said, hey, uh, my son's turning 21. Uh, We're just wondering if you'd like to come and say grace at his birthday celebration. And I thought, isn't that so nice that they asked me? Like normally it's like, a, hey, you're the pastor, can you pray? And you're like, yeah, I can. But they asked me, it was really nice. Someone clearly is a pastor and they got that reference. Seriously, every birthday you go to, you're like, are they going to ask me to pray? Is it going to be awkward? Focus. But so we're, we're, I'm at this birthday, I got asked to do this. It was just this lovely thing where this parent contacted me and said, hey, can you do this? I didn't read, if I'm being honest, I didn't read the rest of the message, which that's a bit of my undoing, that in common English are two threads of mine. And, and so I didn't read the rest of it and it got a bit closer and Sophie's like, hey, where's this birthday thing? I'm like, I don't know, I think it's at their house. I look, they invited me to the Sheraton Hotel like that. Yeah, I know, right? The buffet. And they're like, and I read and they're like, we'd love to pay for you and your wife to come along. I'm thinking, wowee, that is super duper generous of them to do that. And so Soph couldn't make it, so I went there, and um, which is probably just as well. She's anaphylactic to seafood, and it's mainly fish and prawns. So it probably was a good thing. Anyways, so we're there. I say the, say the grace, and I was like, it was the most nerve-wracking grace of my life. I was like, never has there been a stake so high. Like, there's a free feed on the line for this. I worked for that grace. So then, um, this is all a joke. I hope you're hearing the humour behind this. But uh, after, after we said grace, we enjoyed fellowship and we just enjoyed celebrating this, uh, this 21-year-old now adult's life and got to the end of the night and, um, and I said, hey guys, oh, I'm sorry, I, gotta, I actually got to leave now. And they're like, oh, hang on, just wait here. Actually, no, no, we'll come down to the car with us. And I was like, all right. And so we, like, they walk into this elevator and one of the, the dad is a security guard and so they're like islanders, so they're not small and I'm like a little weed and so I'm thinking, this is the chance where they get the money from me. Like, this wasn't a free feed. No, anyway, they're lovely people, I promise. And so we're going down the, the lift, we get into the car park and they've got smiles on their faces and I'm thinking, oh, I have no idea what's going on. And I'm like, what's happening? What are you guys doing? And they're like, just wait, just wait. They open up their car door and I kid you not, there is a cake the size of the Burj Khalif in the back of their car. They whip that thing out and it says, thank you, Jason. And I'm like, what? I know. And so then I'm like, you can't be serious. Like, no, it's for you. I'm like, no, it's not. It's your birthday. And he's like, no, no, this is for you. And then um, the father gets out some blankets and he says, hey, these are some of the traditional island blankets. And he got me a nice rug to put down our house. And I went away. I'm stacked up with this cake. I've got blankets all over me. And so it's like, did you rob a place? Like, what has happened? <laughs> what do I tell that story? It's because that family understood exactly what Jesus was talking about. In a moment where society says, hey, this is all about you. It's your moment. You're 21. You rule the world. You get the key. You do this and that. What did that family choose to do? They choose to invite someone into their life and lift them up. They understood what it means to make the first last and the last first. It was beautiful. I still talk to that young adult about that. I'm like, do you remember the time you got me the cake? He's like, yeah, I do, Jason. We've done other things. I'm like, I know, but it's just beautiful. (laughs) But I want to ask you, when was the last time that you actively sought 
to place someone first in your life? When was the last time you sought an opportunity to challenge the world's understanding of status and reward? When was the last time? See, I think we're given opportunities each and every day. There's opportunities presented in front of us where we actually get to to go, hey, I'm actually going to lay down my life in the hope of building someone else's heart. It might be as little as saying, well, I'm entitled to this, but actually, no, I'm going to hand that over to someone else. For those of you who are married or have spouses, it might be that moment where it's like it's your night for din, for oh jeepers, bin or dishes. I got that around the wrong way. I was going to call it din and bishes, and I was like, that's definitely not what we call it. <laughs> but you say, hey, no, you know, actually, now live it with me. I got it. I got this tonight. And it can be something as small as that or a gesture much larger than that. But when was the last time that you actively sought to put someone else first in your life? Which brings me on to the second point. God is more concerned with the sincerity of our service than the actual service itself. So God's more concerned with the sincerity of our service than the actual serving itself. Now, for those of you who got the uh, running reference from the earlier Olympics, the 1992 Olympics, this analogy may not land for you. But for everyone who didn't get that, this one's for you. There's a um, there's a bit of a craze on social media at the moment where people with influence, whether it's on YouTube, Instagram, TikTok, they use their platform in these moments where they hit a certain number of subscribers or followers and they use that moment to to give to someone else, where they're like, you know, I've got 10,000 followers, so I'm going to give $10,000 to a random person. Or I've got 100 followers, so I'm going to give out 100 hugs and I'm going to document the whole thing. And it's for you, the people, you know, you're a part of this. You've been with me on my journey. And earlier this year, I found that it was so fascinating. There was a Melbourne influencer who went down to a shopping centre and found a lady sitting by herself. And he did the classic influencer thing where the camera was all set up and he crouched down to do up his shoelace. And as he crouched down, he said to this lady, hey, excuse me, could you please hold these flowers for me? And um, she's like, yep, sure. Thought nothing of it. Later on that night, someone was like, hey, your video's up. Like, you know, your face is on TikTok. She's like, cool. Don't know what TikTok is. All right. A week later, 54 million views of this video. And all of a sudden, the family of this lady started piping up because what had happened was this person had used this moment where they said, this old lady sitting sad by herself in a shopping centre, sprightly young man brightens up her day. She's like, I was just at the shops and this random guy gave me flowers. Like, I was actually happy sitting there. And it actually made me realise that so often in our life, We may be doing these grand gestures and the sincerity of our heart maybe may not be aligned with the action that we're doing because it's quite easy for us to actually cover that up. Now, once again, not having a roasted influencers. If you're an influencer, whoop-de-doo, I'm so happy for you. It's just an example. I'm like, someone's going to come up to me afterwards and be like, you attacked influencers. I'm like, no, I didn't. It was just an example. (laughs) Whereabouts are you pretending to be first? Uh, Whereabouts are you pretending to be last when secretly you actually want to be first? Where are you pretending to be last where actually you want to be first? You see, we all all kind of do it. Now, once again, I have to preface this. This is an example. It's fresh and it's real in no way. Like, once again, I'll have people come and chat to me afterwards. Please do. My name's Jason. I'd love to talk to you. Not about this. 
But I, one of my jobs here at church is I get to help recruit for the car park team. And I oh know everyone's like, oh no, he's going there. But it's fascinating, right? I'll say to someone, hey, would you like to join our car park team? And people go, nah, I'm just not passionate about parking cars. <laughs> Who is? Like, if you are, please join. But I find it fascinating, right? What's that statement actually indicate? It's saying, well, it doesn't serve me in any way, so I'm not interested in doing it. See, we do this more often than we realise. But you see, nothing, nothing about service is about elevating our profile. In fact, it's about elevating other people's profiles. It's about serving other people. It's about serving God. See, Jesus wants what we're doing when we serve to be so controversial that people look up, that they go, what is it that they're doing? Why are they doing what they're doing? In Luke's Gospel in chapter 10, Jesus uh, shares another parable, another story to help illustrate this. In Luke chapter 10, it's called the parable of the Good Samaritan. Chances are, if you've ever watched the news, they've referenced it. If you've ever read the Bible or been in church, you've probably heard the message preached before. But it's a fascinating parable because what, what's at stake here is there's, um, Jesus says that there's a Jewish man who's on his way. Now, hypothetically, just to Gold Coast it for us, he's on the M1. He's going from the Gold Coast up to Brisbane. So what's Jesus trying to say? It's a busy road. There's people everywhere going from Jericho to Jerusalem. When a priest sees this man beaten up on the side of the road, he's probably a little bit smelly. He's bleeding out. He's gross. Ugh. The priest sees him, looks at him and goes... So no benefit to me, so he walks on. Then as we read in the scripture, it says the, the Levite, then who's not, you know, not quite as high and mighty as a priest, but he's up there, he's a good citizen. He sees the person, and what does he do? He just walks on by as well. And then who's the one in the story who stops and helps the beaten up Jewish man? It's a Samaritan. Now we read that and we go, oh cool, it's a Samaritan person helping out a Jewish man. But it's like, no, when you understand what's at stake is Samaritans and Jewish people actually did not like each other. It would be fair to say they butted heads. And so this is quite a controversial um, act or act not like servant moment for this Samaritan person. Because if he was to ask the question, what do I gain from this? Absolutely nothing. In fact, he has so much more to lose in that moment by going over and helping that person. He has so much more to lose. He's probably not the kind of person that would go, oh, you know, I just don't feel passionate about this. I don't feel passionate about beating up people on the side of the road. He sees an opportunity. He sees someone in need and he goes over and as Jesus says, scoops him up, takes him to the hospital, takes care of all of his debts, makes sure he's all fixed, sends him on his way. And then Jesus, I love it. Like, I love how Jesus operates. And he says to his disciples, now, who do you think is the neighbour out of these three? It's like, well, no, doy Jesus. Like, we can all work this one out. It's the Samaritan. But I say this, God is more concerned about the sincerity of your heart. That God is more concerned with the sincerity of our service than the actual serving itself. For you to actually be a kind of Christian, a kind of follower in Christ, who instead of your first question is, how do I gain from this? How do I lift someone else up? What am I going to lose in the hope that someone else can gain? What am I going to lay aside in the hope that God's name is glorified?
They're the kind of questions we should be asking ourselves. And when we think about the first shall be last and the last shall be first, it is not about a running race. There is a beautiful, beautiful bit of biblical gold in this. And then it brings me into my third point. See, we need to release our sense of entitlement and embrace God's sovereignty. And you see, this is where the parable at the start really comes into play. See, what Jesus is, is saying in this moment is he's saying there is going to be followers. There is going to be committed Christians who have been out in the field since, you know, they were cognitively able to embrace the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. And they, they're going to be working a lot longer. They're going to be serving God a lot longer. But what is the posture of their heart? It's this confronting question because for those of us who call ourselves Christians, this is where the rubber really hits the road with this verse. Because are we the kind of people who when we see someone new come to church and we're like, oh, they're smelly. Oh my gosh, they said a naughty word. Can you believe it? They, they don't know the full Bible verses or like, you know, they don't know. It's like, come on, give them a break. We should be celebrating the fact that people are responding to the grace and the love of Jesus Christ. And so Jesus in this moment really is saying to the Christians and those who have been followers for a long time, He's saying, hey, you actually better check your heart. You better lay aside that sense of entitlement that you have that for some reason you think you're more more high and mighty than this person. Because as we found out, God's kingdom operates in a way that we don't fully understand. But I also love it because in that same verse, he's saying, no, 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 salvation is yours. For those of you who have invited Jesus Christ into your heart to be in your Lord and Saviour, salvation is yours. It's beautiful. And then on the flip side, when we look at the other side of what he's saying, is so often I hear people who are either exploring faith or they're new to faith. I've even heard people say, I couldn't come to this church because I'll burn, I'll catch on fire if I walk in here. And I'm thinking, isn't that just such a sad narrative that that's what they believe? This should be a place where we embrace the lost, where we welcome them in with open arms and we say yes. And so I want to let you know that if you're sussing out who God is or what it means to be a Christian, I want to let you know that you belong here. You are God's child. You are loved by God. No one or nothing can ever take that away from you. And you don't need to worry about your past. That's what Jesus took care of on the cross. That's the beautiful thing. That's the beautiful part about this message. Jesus is saying it doesn't matter how long you've actually been a Christian. It actually matters about the posture of your heart. Have you responded to the grace and the love of Jesus Christ? Have you picked up your farm tools and have you gone to work? Have you begun to go to work out here in the fields? And so church, I want to finish with a quote by, um, by a lady named Lisa Turkhouse. And she says this, Entitlement robs us of joy and contentment for it constantly demands more and diminishes gratitude. Entitlement robs us of joy and contentment for it constantly demands more and it diminishes gratitude. See church, seasoned Christians, we have to fight so hard not to be entitled. We have to fight so hard not to have our special seat or not to have our special this or our special that, but to be a place that is so warm, so welcoming and so inviting. There's people coming off the streets. They're given a metaphorical or an actual cake 
where as they walk into this church, they are walking out with the biggest smile on their face, their hands full going, I have no idea what's just happened, but isn't this amazing? Imagine if that was what church was like. If every week people walked out, smiles on their faces going, this place is awesome. I'm telling all of my friends and I'm bringing them along. By church, it starts with us. It starts with those of us who call ourselves seasoned Christians to show love, to show embrace, to be reminded that God's, God's economy, if we want to call it that, operates in a world that is totally different to ours. We need to lay aside our agendas, our desires, our longing, well, how will, this, how will I benefit from this? How will this, how? lay it all aside. How can I bring the kingdom of God to someone here on earth? That's the kind of question we ask. We will be in good stead. So church, let me pray. I just get a sense, Holy Spirit wants to move this morning. So what I'd love to do is I'd just love to pray for a moment. We'll just see what God says. Actually, why don't we stand to our feet? Is that all right? Is that okay? Or not, is that all right? We'll stand to our feet. I sounded way too apologetic then. Why don't we close our eyes now and why don't we pray and we just, just wait on the Lord. So Holy Spirit, I just want to pray that in this moment where we sit, where we wait. Your voice. May your voice begin to speak. We're going to keep our, our eyes closed and our heads down. And if this is you online, just please make yourself known. Hit that prayer button and someone can talk to you about that. But I get a sense that there's someone here this morning who you are a seasoned Christian. And there's actually this bitterness that's been welling up in your heart. And I get a sense that there's actually, there's someone recently in your life who's given their heart to the Lord, but you're actually struggling to celebrate their salvation. And that's a really specific word, but if you will keep your eyes closed, we're going to keep our heads down, just to keep this moment reverent between this person and God. But if that's you, if you're struggling with a bit of a sense of entitlement and someone's recently given their heart to the Lord, I really get a sense of that someone here this morning. I sense that God just wants to lift that entitlement off you. So if that's you, could you just raise your hand? Just be so brave. So Lord, I want to pray for that person, whether they're in the room, whether they're online. Lord, that person who is struggling with this sense of entitlement and struggling to celebrate the salvation of someone. Lord, I just get a sense that that is for someone and whoever that is. Lord, I just pray that your peace just washes over them. Remind them of what it means to be set free in your name. God, may your peace just wash over that person. May they be able to celebrate that more have been added to your number. And Lord, I pray for the rest of us as we go out into our weeks, as we step out of this building, Lord, may we be interrupted. God, I pray that that verse, the first shall be last and the last shall be first, is like a pebble in our shoe. God, where every time we go to move, Lord, may we be reminded of that and may we be interrupted. Lord, give us eyes, all of us eyes to see people who we can love, who we can bless, who we can show your love to this week.
In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening to the New Life Podcast. If that stirred something within you or you would like prayer, you can head to church.nu forward slash prayer or contact us through our Instagram or Facebook page. We pray that you have a great week. Be blessed.